Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real stories, real people, real hope. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my wife, my beautiful wife, my co-host in life, all things beautiful. Her name is... Just Jen. Your glasses are at the way end of your nose. <laughs> You're looking at me funny. I feel like I'm an old person because I have to look over the top or through them. I know. Look at you. You, you Well, you just had them... Don't do that. Yeah. You, <laughs> this is what I'm doing from now on. They're, they're literally a centimeter away from the tip of her nose. Now you're, now you're being cute. Now you're trying, now you're trying to be funny. I'm trying to be funny. Yeah, you're trying. I am funny. You okay? are? Say yeah. something funny. Um, I have a joke. Oh, well, no, it's not that. I just meant say something funny. I am funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, well, you look cute in a beanie. You know, we're finally, this is the first day I've seen you in a beanie. First day of 2020, I've seen you in a beanie. Really? Well, you might have been in a beanie in January. I don't know. But January seems like five years ago. <laughs> I can't I can't remember that it far does, back. Huh? This is a weird year. It's definitely a weird year. Well, obviously it's a weird year. Yeah. But it's like extra weird because it, fe- it feels like a dog year. A dog year. You know what I mean? Like a, what is that? Seven years? Yeah. Like a dog's life. You know, dog lives a year and it's like seven years for yeah. them. But it's one year for us. Well, I guess is- that's good. Time has slowed down. Well, it yeah. So <laughs> let me give an example. Australian wildfires. Yes. How long ago were they? Seems like three years ago, right? Yeah. Two or three years when ago. When was it? January. Oh. <laughs> so it just it this year just seems like it the time has stood still well, to some degree. That's good. We've had a we've had a lot to deal with this year. But yeah. uh, anyway, first time I've seen you in a beanie, it's been raining, so you look it's cute. Cold. Thank you. It's so cold. I've got to keep my noggin warm. My, I know my brains. I know. Well, be well. It's going to be interesting to see people in beanies and masks. They're going to have their whole head covered, and face head to toe, snow goggles, beanie mask, snow goggles. Yes, with a scarf. Yes, you're gonna. You're not going to be able to see any skin. That's going to be great. No one will know who I am. <laughs> this is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This. You know what's funny? I wonder if more banks have been robbed this year. Oh, gosh. Because you can disguise yourself more, and it's legit. You you have to walk into a bank with a mask. Who would have ever thought that? Yeah, I don't know. That's a scary thought, though. I know. I haven't heard anything on that. I don't go to banks. You don't? No. Nope. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, you do go to banks. You just don't go in. I sit in the car. Yes. While you go into the bank. Unless you got a $30 check you want to cash. <laughs> $30. That's what you do. No, it's usually it's usually my dividends from Home Depot, which are like six cents. So, yeah, there but you go. I, I am that type that will take it in there and you're get my get, six pennies. You're, you're going to get your six cents. I, no, I they ask it. you, do you want these in large bills? I'm like, yeah, I'll take a nickel and a penny. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a nickel and a penny. Those are the largest bills I can take. <laughs> Uh, I love it. All right. So speaking of joke time, let's tell some funnies. Let's make some people laugh. Okay. You want to go first? Um, No. Why? Because I don't like going first. Okay. So you want me to go first? Well, yeah. Okay. That'd be great if you could go first. If you don't want to go first, I can go. No, I can go. All right. What you got? Okay. I'm listening. Are you listening? I'm ready. Okay. Are you doing it now? I'm ready. When are you going to tell your joke? Right now. All right. How do you make a gingerbread man's bed? Uh, I don't want to make a gingerbread man's bed, but how would I make a ginger 
gingerbread man's bed. Did I say that right? How do I gingerbread man? That's like a tongue twister. Say it again. Gingerbread man's bed. How do you make a gingerbread man's bed? Yes. Say it fast. How do you make a gingerbread man's? How do you make a gingerbread man's bed? How do you make a gingerbread man's? I just want you to tell Uh, me the answer. I don't know. With a cookie sheet. (laughs) (laughs) I love gingerbread. That would be the way to make a gingerbread man's bed. Yeah. I almost said bread. Gingerbread is the best. And they have the best gingerbread at Starbucks. I don't like Starbucks, but I like their gingerbread with the icing. It's so good. And I remember uh, when we were traveling back from Mexico, I sent you to Starbucks because they had all their holiday stuff out, but they didn't have gingerbread. I know. I like pumpkin spice. Yeah, but I like gingerbread. (laughs) Let's go find some today. No, you know what we need to go find today? What? You know what we need to go find. Banana donuts? Yes. I don't want banana donuts. Yes, you do. No. Your heart does. I'm going to make protein banana donuts. That doesn't sound good. Banana. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to step on your uh, on your side of the fence here. I'm going to do a food joke. Oh, great. Okay, what do you call blueberries playing? A, 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 you can't even do it. That didn't come out right. What do you call blueberries playing the guitar? Blueberries playing the guitar yeah i don't know a jam session <laughs> yeah. you could have said strawberries and i probably would have got it I, don't, I know i don't think of blueberry as jam blueberry jam is my favorite when have you ever had it i have it when we go to black bear diner they don't have blueberry jam. They do so. No, they don't. Yes, they do. They have blackberry. No, they have blueberry. No. Trust me, I'm a connoisseur. You promise? You promise. Okay, I'm going to Google it. You're going to Google whether Black Bear Diner has blueberry jam. I will stop in on the way home and ask. Well, let I've me pull them up on the it. phone right now. We will dial them for everyone's benefit. Here's <laughs> what's going to happen. I'm going to call them right now, and we are going to confirm it. You ready? Yep. Yeah, I just have a quick question for you. Do you guys have blueberry jam? Blueberry, no. We have blackberry. Oh, I thought you had blueberry jam. No, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, when are you ever going to realize that I'm always freaking right? You always question me and I know things, especially when it's about food. Really? Look yes. at you go right now. I know because I'm right and I can't like get up and do a freaking I'm a right dance. Yeah, you can. Well, I'm tied to this microphone. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I always win. You won. Okay, fine. I've had blueberry jam before. I have not. I'm sure they make it. I'm not saying that, but I have not seen it. And it's not, you know, like on the shelves <laughs> at Rayleigh's. <laughs> the- for any guys out there, that didn't quite go the way I expected it to go. Yeah. But uh, I will acknowledge when I'm wrong. For all you the are, guys you out are there, right. the women you are, are right, always Jennifer. right. You're 100%. Thank I should you. never question you. I will stop ever questioning you again. Thank you. There you go. Yes. I love being a winner. <laughs> I want that gingerbread cake now. I want the... That was my phone. Oh. Seriously, I won gingerbread cake. I want a banana donut. You didn't so. win. What? You did not win. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All right. Let me let me tell you about our guest. We've gotten way off the rails today, but let me tell you about our guest. Okay? I'm ready. We're going to have an interview with Cindy Buchanan. Okay. 
And she's referred to us from one of our former guests, Bath. And mm-hmm. Cindy is going to talk with us about an experience that happened to her when she was 17 and something that she's battled with ever since that point in her life. But mm-hmm. it cropped up when she was 17, and it's panic attacks, the anxiety-ridden Ooh. panic attacks. So oh, we're going to yeah. talk about how she uncovered that she was dealing with them and then the path that she took to try to, you know, handle the situation. And uh, she's living her best thriving life now and so i want to hear her story so we're going to call her up and get her on the line you ready i'm ready all right here we go All right, I've got Cindy Buchanan on the line. Cindy, welcome to Hope Radio Podcast. How are you today? Thank you. I'm great. How are you? We are living our best California pandemic life right now. We are um, in the midst of, uh, I would say, some overcast clouds. We had some a, a storm shower come in last night. So, you know, Jen and I just recently returned from a trip down to uh, Mexico. And so we're, we're having a little bit of temperature shock right now. You know, we, we went from, right, you know, eight, 80 yeah. plus degrees to now, you know, Cold. like 50. <laughs> Jen's got a beanie on and two jackets and, and a blanket and a, and a blanket heater. and a heater. So, you know, we're, we're, we're cozy, but, uh, you know, living our best life. <laughs> Good, good, good. Well, I have the opposite situation here in Florida. It's uh, now, let's say, about 80 degrees or so today, and there's a nice, beautiful chill coming through the air, and I'm welcoming it because it's the first of, um, in about seven months' time, where I've had a cool day. Oh, so. I bet. Boy, yeah. Florida, Florida. We've been to, we visited Florida several times, and we've had very interesting weather every time we've gone there. I mean, that place yes. is the only place I can yeah. I can think of. You wake up and it's thunder, <laughs> lightning, and clouds, and then it's clear in the afternoon, and then later in the yeah. afternoon, it's thunder, uh-huh. lightning again, and wind, and all that kind of stuff. So you guys have got interesting weather down there in Florida, for sure. Yeah, one of the many things we're notorious for is interesting <laughs> weather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yep. this is true. Jen, Jen and I have a joke. Anytime we hear, you know, anything that's that's going on that's crazy, she'll ask, is that in Florida? And I'm like, I think so. I think that's going on in Florida right now. You can be certain. <laughs> yes. Well, tell uh, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. You know, what's, you know, you live in Florida. Are you married? You got kids? Tell us a little bit about your life. Yeah, 
Okay, so I live in Cooper City, Florida, and um, it's maybe about 10 miles uh, west of Lauderdale. Um, I am married to a wonderful, wonderful man um, who is definitely a soulmate. And I have two kids, um, one's 13 and one's 11. They're both boys. And um, the other person in our, not really person, but entity in our household that kind of balances out all that male energy is my dog, Luna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luna. I love that name. Well, you are a uh, fellow boy mom, just like Jen. We've yes. got four boys. You know, yeah. our oldest is 24. Ah. Then we've got a 23-year-old, uh-huh. and then we've got a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old. So we had two kids real quick, got overwhelmed, mm-hmm. backed off for six and a half years, and then had two more. <laughs> so that's 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 where we stand. <laughs> yep. Wonderful. Well, yeah, um, I love my boys. And you love your dog, <laughs> Luna. Yes. What yeah. kind of dog is Luna? Um, she's a mix, uh, but they think there's some Catahoula certainly within her. And uh, maybe some Western Australian Shepherd. Mm. So she's quite a mix. Um, she has beautiful blue eyes that can get lost in, which is why I named her Luna because Aww. she reminds me of the moon. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that. Well, I've never, I've never heard of a breed called Catahuna. Catahoula. Catahoula. Yeah, yeah um, interesting. It is notoriously a hunting bred in Louisiana. Interesting. So, you know, being in Florida, that makes sense to me. You know, geographically, it's pretty close. So. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. true. This is true. Yeah. Well, uh, you were referred to us by our great, great friend, a former guest on our show, Beth. And um, I know Ooh. she didn't share she didn't share all of your story with me. She shared a, a little bit. But I, I felt like you would be the best person to kind of unpack it, you know. And given that we're talking about hope and people's lives, I thought, well, why don't I just give it to you? Where, where does your story of hope begin in your life? Hmm, where does it begin? Okay, I would say it begins at age 17, which was a while ago. Um, I was preparing to head off to college, um, University of New Hampshire, and I remember very distinctly the first time this happened. I was watching television late at night and something I did quite a bit as a teenager. And um, all of a sudden I felt this rush of adrenaline and I didn't understand it and I didn't know where it was coming from. I was just watching TV. Um, And a rapid heartbeat followed um, and immediately was sent into a bout of major panic. And there was nothing that precipitated it right in that exact moment. So it didn't make sense to me. I thought I was having a heart attack, basically. Um, so, so this was just, this is just out of the blue, parents. right? You said you just watching, watching TV out of the blue. All of a sudden your heart yeah. starts to race. You feel the adrenaline. You feel like you're about uh, yeah. you're having a panic attack. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know that that's what it was at that time. Um, I was not familiar with that disorder. All I knew was that I did not feel right. I felt very sick, and I felt like I was going to pass out or throw up. I didn't under or having a heart attack because I had taken yeah. my chest. And my breathing was rapid. So I woke up my parents, and obviously they were alarmed, and they didn't know what was going on. So they called an ambulance and went through all of that. Um, got to the ER, and uh, the doctor. I'll never forget this, looked at me and said, you did not have any kind of cardiac episode. You had what's known as a panic attack. I was like, what are you talking about? What is a panic attack? I'd never heard of it before. 
it sounded like he'd made it up, honestly. I just, I couldn't quite grasp the concept at the time. I mean, I was young, and so that probably had a lot to do with it. But um, I later went on to learn that, particularly for some people, when they, they reach, you know, 18, 19 years old, it's, it's a turning point in their lives. It's maturity. It's hormonal. It, you know, these things can sort of rev up your system. And then as well, I it's sort of like put this, I call it a disorder. I don't have it. I don't consider myself someone that has it any longer, but I did at that time, right? So I didn't quite understand where it was coming from, why I was having it. But then I, I went on to have, I don't know, two or three a day from that point on for about six months. Um, I ended up having to stay out of college, uh, stay home, tried to figure out what was going on with me. Um, therapy ensued after that, uh, medication, um, just generally trying to get a grip on it and to understand, you know, why, why this was happening and, and why me. And there wasn't anything evident that sort of set it off. Um, at least at the time, I didn't understand. How long would these bouts last? I mean, is it something that would come and go quickly or is it something that you would be dealing with for hours the attack itself the the hyperventilation and the shaking and all of that was it was usually pretty brief i learned pretty quickly that you take a, a paper bag and you breathe into it and it returns the carbon dioxide back to the body so that immediately shuts off that um response of, of hyperventilation so that was a tool I used, the brain paper bag, breathing in, in and out of it um, to calm the, the attack down. So I did learn how to make them brief. However, the, the hard thing about it was not so much the attack itself. It was the anticipation in between of, oh, my gosh, when am I going to have another one? When is another one coming? And that was how I lived my life for six months. I was in my parents' basement, panic attack to panic attack, and just wondering in between when the next one was going to happen. Obviously, all of that, living life like that, it's a little bit like a hobbit, you know, if that makes any sense. It's been feeling all, you know, just closed in and encased in in my life and, and feeling like there's no hope. Like, this is my existence. This is what, I, this is what it's going to be. Is this? So I felt very deprived of hope at that time, and I became clinically depressed. That led to for a very long period of my of my life, living in a depressed state. And, you know, always sort of looking around the corner for when the next panic attack was going to happen. Um, it was a vicious cycle of panic attack, depression, panic attack, depression. Um, I would I would imagine because, and, you know, not not ever having dealt with that uh, myself, I could just only imagine that that the worry or the anxiety and the in between, in other words, is this is yeah. it over? Am I going to have another one? When am I going to have another one? Like it, 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 it that had to have, I would imagine, compounded the anxiety, you know, in other words, you know, like it, you can have an, a, a, an attack. Yeah. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. now, okay, the attack's over, but then you go, okay, is that the last one? Am I going to have another one? When am I going to have another one? Like I could mm -hmm. see it be all consuming and it certainly wouldn't want to make you hang out with your friends. Certainly wouldn't want to make you go right. on a date with anybody. Certainly wouldn't want to make you right. go get a job. And so you feel like, right. you know, uh, your whole life is now being controlled by, this, you know, panic attack beast, you know, whatever it's going on mm -hmm. with you. And then that led to 
the depression. And I could, I certainly could understand that. I mean, if you feel like your whole world's closing in and you can't live life like you want to live, that that's a recipe for depression. Absolutely. Yes. And the worst part of the whole thing was feeling when I was in it, in the panic attack, that I was going to die. Because if anyone's ever had a panic attack, they, they can relate to that. It's an instinctual feeling. You don't think that one out. It's just, boom, you're in the attack and all of a sudden your body is telling you you're going to die if you don't stop, if you don't find a way to stop this. So it was pretty, it was awful. It was dark. Like I said, I didn't really have an, um, an outlook on life that was super positive at that point in time. But I, through enough therapy, traditional talk therapy and medication, I, I found, began to find a trail out and a way out. And bit by bit, I began to trust that, first of all, that, that the anxiety disorder was not my fault. You know, something within me just said, well, you, you must be doing this to yourself. Um, I've always been someone been very hard on myself. So that was my kind of my go-to was, oh, you did this. Somehow you caused this. Um, but learning throughout um, the process that biologically it was not my fault, that certain people are wired this way, um, was a huge, tremendous relief. You know, it's like, oh, I'm not doing this to myself. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's good to hear. I, had, I have a question for you. How did your parents respond to this? And did, did you have, do you have siblings at the time? I mean, did you have brothers or sisters I, that I were? Do. I have an older sister and brother and my older sister was out of the house at the time. So I don't really remember much in terms of a response from her. Um, my brother was around more and he was certainly, you know, sympathetic. Uh, but even within him, I could tell he didn't quite get it. You know, he was kind of like, why can't you just get over this? Yeah. <laughs> What my, about your parents? My parents were very supportive. They had me, you know, in, in therapy, obviously. Um, they were paying for it at the time and very encouraging towards it. However, it's something that was always kind of taboo in my family and in my family's history. You know, you, you don't go to therapy. You know, that's not something you do. You just kind of, you know, buck up and, and <laughs> you know, therapy is not something that was well understood or well accepted. So I kind of felt like I was a little black sheep you know, going off down the therapy path by myself. Um, but at the same time, they saw they saw everything I was going through firsthand. So they were willing to try anything. And if it be this taboo therapy, then so be it. They, they let it happen. The medication, same kind of thing. You know, that was something that within their own families, people didn't really do that. They didn't take medicine. They just, it's kind of generational. You know, it's like yeah. you just you tie your shoelaces and you move on. You know, you don't sit in anything. Now, I feel like that caused a lot of repressed stuff, obviously, within my family unit. So in a way, I was kind of like a pioneer within my own family system that that I was breaking out and, and allowing all of this to express. I'm willing to go out and heal it, you know, and, and find the path to healing. Yeah, and, and it, you know, I'm, I come from a, uh, I'll just call it kind of a cowboy background and i was just thinking about my mom her her attitude would be cowboy up you know kind of you you were thinking the same thing jen yeah she's so my my uh, oldest boy he was out with his grandma and and visiting her house and he ended up um you know wrecking an atv and he and he felt like his collarbone had hurt well come to find out he had broken his collarbone but it like it wasn't painful at the time and grandma's like come on colby just cowboy up you know you just gotta come on get get, 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 come on like stop complaining you know it's just like yeah you you know there's not a lot of 
let's say, uh, patience for uh, something that somebody doesn't understand or maybe hasn't experienced themselves. Exactly. And if you, you know, you think about the time period that this was happening for me, it was in the 80s. And mental illness was not <laughs> accepted as something that people talked about. You know, thank God today it's here. And there's organizations like NAMI, you know, that there are advocates now for people coming out and, and discussing this, you know, like, it's an organ in your body like any other organ, like your liver or your kidney or your heart. And if that's disease, we're more than, you know, we feel free to come out and speak of it and, you know, very encouraged by others, get better and get well. But when it comes to the brain, for some reason, there's always been this huge stigma. And I, I remember it in the 80s really badly um, that, you know, you just, that's all you. That's that's on you. That's your behavior. Just change. Just change the way you are. Come on, just buck up. Change. Yeah. You know, move on. Get over it. Would you ever say that to anyone with diabetes, heart disease? You would never tell them to just quote unquote get over it and move on. No, you would treat the disease. Um, so I actually had that stigma within myself. I even felt that because, of course, that was the system I grew up in. You know, and so. It took not only reaching out to get help for my issue, I had to also be my own cheerleader, you know, and encourage myself that, you know, even though there's this stigma all around you, you can't cave into the stigma. You have, you have to just have compassion and love for yourself and keep going. That's, that's one of the ways you got to heal because I mean, I I would think that if you're hard on yourself, it, it compounds the issue. Now, I will tell you, Jen, <laughs> Jen suffers more from anxiety than I do, like she'll, especially around the kids. So I think you've gotten closer to yeah. Jen, something like yeah. that. I mean, do you, you've never had a panic attack yourself? I actually have had a panic attack twice. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm. One was in Mexico and one was here. But yeah, I know exactly mm-hmm. what you're talking about and the feeling and you can't control it. And I, you just feel like you're going to die. Like for no yeah. reason, yeah. you know, like it's mm-hmm. just That's usually about the first or second thought you have. When it yeah. Like, yeah. like why is my heart racing so fast? Like what is going on? It's, it's, it's definitely mm-hmm. a, a different kind of feeling. Not a good feeling. No. <laughs> and no. thankfully it doesn't no. last for, you know, like mine five never, hours. Yeah. No, mine never lasted that long. It's just usually until I can calm my own body. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's, very strange. And how, and how would you do that? Just breathe. Just breathe. Just breathe and yeah. tell myself I'm okay. Yeah. And, you know, you're having a panic attack mm-hmm. and everything's fine and right. you're good. And, you know, you just really have to talk yourself out of it. Yes. And that was, that became a mantra for me. Right. Telling myself that over and over. Mm-hmm. You're having a panic attack, you're not dying. You're yeah. having a panic attack, you're not dying. Yeah. Like everything's and okay. That, that gets you through. Yep. It yeah. really does. I guess I just marvel at the randomness of it. You know, I think, you know, if you, if you knew it was triggered by something, you could go about your life trying not to trigger it. But right. if it just happens, yeah, you know, like yeah. to your point, like you're just watching TV in the, you know, late mm-hmm. at night, which I did as a kid too. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you just get flooded with this feeling like something imminent is, is about to happen and mm-hmm. it's not going to be good. Right. Yeah. You can't, right. you can't control well, it. I, you know, later on in my life, Obviously, I've learned a lot more about myself now in my 40s, um, and I understand 
my own personal triggers a lot better than I did when I was 17. Um, I know that leading up to that event of, of the first panic attack, I, if you think of it, I was transitioning from my parents' house, the nest, quote unquote, to go out into the big bad world, you know, that in and of itself, that's a huge change, a huge shift. That's enough to, you know, pr- provoke someone into feeling anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were, uh, you know, all other sorts of events that had happened in my life up to that point that I can say I didn't quite deal with and I kind of just shoved down. Um, and it builds up. It builds up, it builds up, it builds up. And so one day your body says, okay, there's got to be a re- pressure release valve here somewhere. Yeah. And that's what I believe happened. It just all came flooding out um, on top of having a genetic predisposition to that disorder. Those two things combined, it was like the perfect setup to now, develop the disorder. Neither of your parents had suffered panic attack bouts themselves? No, but my father has always been an extremely anxious person. Um, so the anxiety, you know, is, is taught, but it's also um, genetically passed. You know, that, that, that sort of behavioral um, tendency. So, of course, I learned it, and it was nature, nurture, you know, all of it. Um, his side of the family, people did have panic attacks, yes. So what did you learn about yourself? I mean, through the talk therapy and through, you know, kind of uh, diving deep into trying to address the triggers, you know, what for you, what creates a trigger? What what you know, where is the origin of this for you now having lived some life and you're, you know, in your 40s? Like, what, what have you learned? Well, I have learned that, number one, the only way uh, to the other side of anything that's upsetting me, any particular issue or um, challenge, is to move through it. To not put it aside, to not bury it, to not deny it, to not walk around it, you know, um, not <laughs> decorate it up as something else, but to, number one, be honest and say, you know what, this is what's happening. Without any emotion, without any feelings attached to it, just it's a very Buddhist approach you know here boom I feel this way because of this and then taking that and not setting up camp in it and pitching a tent and cooking a dinner and hanging out for weeks in it but just saying you know what there it is and I'm just going to stand outside of it and look at it and it's a, it's almost as if I see it as a different it's a part of myself, but almost like a different entity, um, a different something else that takes a shape or a form that is not, it's not just me. It's, it's its own experience. It's its own lesson. There's something in there for me to learn. So what I do is I look at it with gratitude and say, you know what? Okay, I've got that going on right now. There's something in there. There's a nugget. There's a seed. There is some truth in there that I'm supposed to learn from. So I'm going to, I'm going to dive in. I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to take it a day at a time. I'm going to self care myself all the way through this, you know, every day, make sure that I have my meditation time. I take my quiet time. I do a yoga practice. Obviously I'm a yoga teacher, so that's very important in my toolbox. 
Um, I, if I don't have time for that, I do a breathing exercise, you know, something that will bring the nerves down to a level that's very manageable and sort of what I call my baseline. Um, and then I do what has to be done. Is there an action here that I need to take? Is there someone I need to speak with? Is there something I need to do? Do I need to write? Do I need to journal? Do I need to color? Do I need to paint? You know, I do all of those things as well. And then I know, then I feel a settling. I feel a settling in my gut. My gut is my best friend. And the gut feeling, the intuition that I have says, okay, you're finished. You've processed, you've done what you need to do. And then boom, we're on the other side. And that to me is much more pleasurable. (laughs) And, you know, um, it's helped me grow as a person, that process, then decorating, then denying, then shoving down, and you know, because it will just pop up later in some other fashion anyway. So has so, that, so those, ha- I was just going to ask, is that, so has that made it so you, you haven't had what you experienced back at, at 17? In other words, when's the last time you had what you would consider to be an attack like you had when you were 17? You know, quite honestly, I don't want to offend anyone, <laughs> but I believe the last time I had a panic response like that was the last election of 2016. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, and so that that's when you felt out of control or overwhelmed or yes. whatever, like yes. there was just this... this... Because I am um, also, I'm a survivor of sexual assault. So when I heard someone bragging about that and it was caught on um, audio and I heard about it, it, it dug it up. Mm. It certainly dug it up. And what I realized then was, okay, I'm being triggered and I have more work to do around this issue. Um, And that's just it. You know, I don't consider myself quote unquote done. You know what I mean? There's always more layers to work through. There's always more to do. Uh, But the beautiful difference today is that I see it as a challenge in a positive way because I get to use all those delicious tools I spoke about. Yeah, I could Um, see that. What about your kids and your, and your husband? I mean, have your kids suffered from it at all? And, and has you, have you, um, have you ever had, well, obviously you did back in 2016. So, I mean, how, how is your husband sympathetic to what's going on? Is he a a direct partner to you when you feel overwhelmed or in those moments? Does he give you your space and et cetera? Oh, absolutely. Um, if he notices, um, you know, if I'm getting anxious, um, like I said, I haven't had a full on attack, but if I'm getting close to it, um, he's the first one there with a cloth, with a wet cloth, places it on the back of my neck. Um, and he'll just say to me, you know, you're not going to die. Like he knows Im- immediately what those thoughts can go to, you know, so he's saying, you're not going to die. You're okay. You're doing, you're, you're going to be fine. You're just fine. You're just, you're nervous right now, or you're just having some anxiety. It's okay. And then, he, you know, he'll de-escalate it. Um, but not that, like I said, it doesn't get to that point as much as anymore as it did back then. But he, if he's with me, he jumps right on it. That's good. <laughs> um, he, he did see it when it was bad. Um, he's been around in my life since 1997. So I hadn't quite grasped it yet at that point. And I was still, you know, finding my way through. 
And there were some suicidal moments that I had with him as my partner. And in those moments, I, I, I always was feeling like I can't do this anymore. I don't, I don't have the fight in, within me to figure this out. This is too much. And I felt like I would just be relieving him and relieving the world of me because I feel like such a burden. And that's why I wanted to, to end my life because I wanted, I wanted to relieve the burden off of everybody else around me. Cause I was feeling like if I can't figure it out, nobody else around me is going to be able to figure this out. Um, so he's been with me through that and going to therapy with me. Um, just an, an encourager, you know, that you will, uh, you know, you're, you're beautiful and I need you in this world and, you're, and the kids need you and, you know, just the kids we're going to have need you. Um, he, he was just, he was a rock. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds, <laughs> a rock. sounds like it, you know, for he somebody that rocky. didn't experience it uh, himself to be able to have that kind of sympathy mm-hmm. and that kind of uh, comforting effect on you is, is great. I mean, that, that just shows that you guys were meant to be together and uh i think you got a beautiful partner there and and so you know it it sounds like you know relative to the the panic attacks it sounds like you've gotten them to a point where you can now uh better manage it or better sense it to where it doesn't get as severe and i think that's probably Mm -hmm. very hope-filling to somebody right now that isn't at that point you know so what what do you think was the biggest reason that you've arrived at this point? Was it talk therapy? Was it self-analysis? Like, you know, what, what's the biggest, you know, one or two reasons that you think you've, is it just living life, you know, like that you've arrived at the spot where it doesn't have the grip it used to have on you? It's so many things. It's hard to pick um, one or two that have been the most predominant in, in the healing. Um, because I felt like it was a, it was a process. Um, each point along my path, I needed something different. Um, in the beginning, that was all I knew. And that was all I was comfortable with was the talk therapy. Um, then that led to, I, I went off to college to be a dancer eventually. And I found through my dancing that I was able to emote and work through issues and work through feelings and, and get it out, so to speak. Um, so that dancing led me to yoga because I thought, well, if I'm feeling connect, more connected to myself through, through movement, um, to my spirit, to who I authentically am and to working these, these emotional feelings out. If I feel that, that release through dance, then well, yoga must be similar. So I, jotted off yoga and that was it for me that was that after pick one has been my ultimate tool um because it encourages the connection of mind body spirit all everything that you are working in unison um, working in harmony and it's when you find that connection within that you become more aware of, oh, I'm, I'm getting close to being anxious here. You know, it's that connection. Your body tells you quicker. You hear it quicker. Um, so you're able to, to stave off the panic because you already can sense when you're going there. 
much quicker because you, you've worked on that connection of mind, body, and spirit. Um, so I feel like though I had to go through that process of talk therapy and kind of getting out everything that was in my head. Um, I think that's probably the first step for everybody is to go to talk therapy. I think it's wonderful. I encourage it completely. Um, I still actually go on occasion myself. I have a wonderful woman I see, um, just when I really need to talk something out. Um, but I think it's a beautiful place to start and, you know, not inclusive of of anything else. Of course, you could do yoga and therapy hand in hand. Um, but something like yoga, something physical, I think is also important because it is a disorder that, that comes out of physicality. You know, you feel the anxiety makes you shaky and, um, the feelings can be so intense, um, that you tend to hold a lot of that in your body. So you need to be able to do that. And yoga is a great way to do it. Or any sport or hiking or biking or something physical has to happen. I agree. Jen Jen and I are big, uh, big uh, advocates of both yoga and Mm -hmm. physicality. I mean, you talk about, what do you say, Jen, all the time? Like people hold a lot of emotions in their hips and legs and stuff. So like you'll, you'll have leg day, Jen Jen, Jen will work out and have leg day. And she's like, I'll feel like I want to cry. Like I got all this emotion there. And then, yeah. That's great. (laughs) Same with like yoga. You hear me say that, but that's wonderful. That means you're unearthing it. It's coming out. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. I remember going to a yoga class and it was all about like hip openers and stuff like that. And the same thing, Uh I'm like, everyone around me is crying. (laughs) It was like, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm normal. I, I think you need yeah, that that, yeah. <laughs> that emotional release, yep. that yeah. physic the physicality mm-hmm. of moving your body. Mm-hmm. And I think with specifically with yoga, it's a, it's a one two punch. I think it's the physicality of the of the movement, but it's also the breath work, you yes. know, that, that is advocated in yoga. Absolutely. But you know, getting mm-hmm. going through that process, it it releases that energy, it releases that pent up those emotions that you're trying to store or carry, and mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I you know I I was I was a strong advocate of yoga at the beginning of the year, and then I've kind of transitioned to lifting weights with with Jen. I was trying to get into the best shape I could, and so I I I, I realized I need to get back to yoga because I'm mm-hmm. losing some of that flexibility. Jen and I did a couple of yoga classes down in Mexico, and I'm like, oh, I I can't do my down dog like I used to. I you know my crow needs some work. You know, I got I got some I got some work to do. I love yoga. I do it every I weekend. Think it's totally normal though to, to sort of like ping pong. What's the sort? Of, that's not the right word. <laughs> what's that with a little uh, ping pong? What, what am I trying to say? Ping back pong. And, back, yeah, back ping and pong forth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some, sometimes in your, our lives, the body needs more yoga. Other times, we need more resistance with weight training. Other yeah. times, we might need more biking. And sometimes, you need it all. And it's yeah. wonderful to just have it available and you can go around. You know within however you need yeah no i've actually started lifting weights myself um a few months ago i just started and now i'm kind of hooked i like it (laughs) jen jen is a beast in our gym she she's down there every day she wakes up at 4 45 and uh goes down there and 
and begins her workout and and I firmly believe she's trying to kill me in the process too you know because she's drug she drugged me along but you know it was it was kind of funny what happened for me is in 2020 and I was having a conversation with our four boys and I just said you know for a lot of people this is going to be the year of the pandemic and I don't want it to be defined I don't want 2020 to be defined that way for me I would rather make it the year for example it's the year that Hope Radio Podcast started it's going to be the year that I get into the best shape of my life you know so I'm down 22 pounds from where I was in uh, May and and part of that is is that weight training that lifting you know I feel stronger than I've felt in a long time and and I and I think that uh, there's something to be said about how um, just beneficial that is to not only your, your your mental capacity and your mental capacity to deal with stress and uncertainty and the unknown and certainly 2020 has thrown us a lot of that but just your also your your mm-hmm. physical ability to to um, address y- your body and you, when you start feeling the strength and you start feeling stronger and you start feeling like your your vitality is coming back I mean that's that's what's addictive about mm-hmm. it absolutely I hear what you're saying hundred percent yes and I have I have felt an energy to me a vitality um, and it's you know, the mix of the yoga and the weight together for me personally, I just, I feel wonderful. I feel very strong mm-hmm. um, and grounded. You yes. know, it's important to feel grounded right now because there's so many things that are threatening to take us off kilter. And, you know, it's quite a bit. There's, there's a lot going on out there. And um, centering, finding something, some kind of exercise or yoga or painting or whatever it is that really grounds you is the only way through this and I I like you I have the same thought I said you know this is not going to define me as um, the the quarantine time or the pandemic time I'm not I refuse to take that in as defining my life I am going to become a stronger me I'm going to look and feel exactly how I've always wanted to. And I'm taking those steps to do it. And I believe everybody can. You know, we don't have to be, quote unquote, victims to the media and everything that's going on around us. We can make decisions to appreciate what's in front of us and work with what's in front of us and maybe explore different parts of ourselves. No, I... And of course, you feel your feelings as you need to, of course. But, yes. you know, there, there is a, a something to be said for appreciating what's in front of you. Oh, I, I agree. I'm, I'm a big advocate of gratitude, um, you know, being grateful for the things that you have, not lamenting what you're lacking or what you don't have. Um, I guess, you know, given your experience, you, you, you just sound like you're in a, in a really good place right now. And I'm sure, you know, I have a vision of how I'm going to title this. I'm, I, we haven't done a, a show on panic attacks or anxiety, etc. cetera, uh, this specifically. And so I'm sure somebody listening right now is, is where you were back at 17. And so if you had the opportunity to share some wisdom or speak into your former self, that 17-year-old girl, or for the benefit of somebody else that's listening right now that, that has not gotten to the place that you're at right now, what would you share? What would you say to your 17-year-old self? It's not your fault. You are doing the best that you know how to do with what you have. I want you to sit with your feelings, write them out, um, dance, cry, walk, let, let it out, but don't let it define you. 
you are the essence of love. Everyone around us is the essence of love. You have a purpose. You have a gift. You have a reason that you are here on this planet. And your light is needed by everyone else around you. Don't be afraid of your light. Rather, let it let it out however it needs to come out. Don't judge it. Just let it fly. Let it go. Go with it. Follow it and do what you need to do. Call someone. Call for help. If you're feeling alone, desperate, sad, it's over. There's no reason to go on. You are not alone. There are so many people that have been there or are there currently and know your struggle and know your pain. And it is, it can be a part of this human experience. So reach out, whether it's a minister, whether it's a dear friend, a family member, a hotline you can call, please reach out to someone and take the first step of realizing all of the multitudes of ways that you can get yourself better and that you can heal. There is not just one way out. There's many, many, many ways out and you will find what works for you. Trust me, believe in me. I've been there and it works. And don't lose hope. You know, like you're somebody right now that, that at times thought that the best way to solve the problem would be if you weren't here. And so I feel like, you know, your acknowledgement that it was just a season that, that, that you don't lose hope, that that's not the answer because I feel like you're living, living a great life now and you've, it's taken that work to get there. So whoever's listening, don't, don't lose hope. Don't think that, you know, it can't get better because I think Cindy's an example of somebody that uh, will tell you firsthand it can it can and not only better it can be a nominal life one that you never dreamed possible one that you just when you were curled up in a ball didn't think could be yours is yours and then some <laughs> I love that beyond my wildest dreams I, I travel I have you know I'm just so blessed. I have riches beyond what I ever imagined for myself. I have a beautiful home, a beautiful family, um, a job I love to go to, Um, friends that are lovely, and even family that, you know, nobody has the perfect family for sure. It's our family of origins. We've all got our issues with them. (laughs) I know. But I even learn how to cope with those in a better way. You know, that's not hopeless either. Um, You just have to trust and believe that when you work these tools, that it's going to, it will happen for you too. It will. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you for that encouraging word. Thank you for, sharing your story. Thank you for the message of hope to anybody that's dealing with uh, panic attacks and, and anxiety, significant, severe anxiety disorders. You know, I just want to say that uh, you are worth it, that you can, you can go on. And, and Cindy's a great example of somebody that's, you know, married happily with kids, great job, you know, great home, you, you know, like you found a way to 
thrive. And I think that message for anybody that's dealing with, um, you, you know, panic attacks would be one that's welcome. Like you can, if you put in the work, if you do the work, you, you can live a life where you are thriving. So thank you for that, uh, for that acknowledgement. And thank you for your truth and your vulnerability, Cindy. It's, it's just been fascinating to, to talk with you today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm honored to share it. And the work that you all are doing is beautiful. Thank you. Well, you know, I call Jen the light. She, she, she shines bright now on the, on the show. She's a professional listener with a voice, you know, so she don't talk as much as I do on the interviews, but she, (laughs) she, uh, in our, in our family, you know, our, our bright light is, is mama bear. She's, she's, she's the sunshine of the, of the family. So that's, that's very nice. Thank you. He's a keeper. Yes, of course. Yeah, high school sweethearts after 26 years and yeah. uh, 31 years. You dated for five years before we got married, but uh, 26 years together. Yeah. Going on on year 27. Wow. Oh, crazy, wow. Jennifer. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, My Cindy. My husband and I just celebrated 25, so we know. Woo-hoo! Oh, yeah. That's Congratulations. Great. Yeah, so yeah. like he has been with you for a long, long, long time. So, yeah, he's he's been able to uh, witness how far you have come and helped you along the way absolutely yeah congratulations on that that's a that's a milestone i know (sighs) thank you All right, Jen, what did you think of our show, or are you still basking in the glow of your win beforehand? I'm dreaming of my gingerbread cake you're going to buy for me. Do you know they sell them in loaves? I would like a loaf of gingerbread cake at Starbucks. Your food knowledge is off the charts. I know. Like I know you know. I'm like a professional foodie. I should get paid for this knowledge. Wow. <sighs> Maybe, right? maybe. Yeah. Let's talk about Cindy. What did you think about our interview with Cindy? I think that was a great conversation and it's something that's not really talked about a whole lot. And for me actually dealing with anxiety and having panic attacks in my life, like I get it. And um, I think it's really important that, you know, people understand it more. Yeah. I've, I've never had a panic attack like Mm-mm. that. I know you have twice and I know, you know, I've seen you when you're in the mm-hmm. midst of it. And did you know that that's what was going on with you when yeah. you had it? Yeah. You just, so what's it feel like? It just felt like, uh, you like, yeah, you, it just, it, I don't know. It just kind of feels like you can't breathe. You can't catch your breath. Like you can't, it's hard to control your breath. And I never once thought I was having a heart attack. I just knew that I needed to calm my body. So it's just, it's just a, 
It's just a different feeling. It's not what you feel 24-7. Yeah. I'm just grateful that you haven't had more and that we that we don't have to deal with that. Like Cindy, you know, to have her do all the work, to mm -hmm. have her now be self-aware enough with her body and right. with her breath and with her experience to understand, okay, what's driving this, what's happened, mm -hmm. you know, like... I think that's the point that you get to, but right. man, it, it must've been grueling to try to get there. And yeah. then you suffer with depression mm -hmm. and then you suffer with suicidal thoughts, et cetera. So it's, it's, it can be a dark path. I just hope somebody listening takes heart in her story. Yeah. You know, she's vulnerable. She was transparent and, and she's actually thriving now. Right. So I think that, that, you know, you can live the life you want to live, that this doesn't have to hold you victim for mm -hmm. all of your life, especially if you do the work. You just got to make it through it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So people want to hear more of our podcast. How do they do so? We are on iTunes. Stitcher. Spotify. SoundCloud. All the things. Google Play. All Everywhere you have podcasts, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And then if they want to connect with us directly. I mean, if you have a story of hope to share, maybe you yourself listening right now have a hope story to share. You can connect with us directly. Send us a message mm -hmm. on Hope Radio Podcast on both Instagram and Facebook. That's Hope Radio Podcast. Send us a message. Let us know you're listening. Let us know you got a story. And uh, you, yes, you might be our next interview on the Hope Radio Podcast. That's right. All right, Jen, I had such a great time. I've got another interview scheduled for us. Take heart. We're going to have more hope to talk about tomorrow. We're going to have a hope-filled day tomorrow. What do you say? I think that's a great plan. All right, let's make it happen.